Welcome to the Project Unchained podcast, where my special guests and I help you break free from the chains that hold you back from life's greatest experiences. The goal of this podcast is to educate people on self-care modalities that can and will improve your life if you commit to doing them. An effective self-care regimen is the single most important thing you can do for yourself to have a more extraordinary life experience. I'm your host, Ross Lepola, and I've spent the past several years of my life on a journey of healing and self-care after living many years chained down by my own limiting thoughts and beliefs. Now, I'm here to share what I have learned and to empower you to break free from the chains that hold you back from your unlimited potential. Let's get unchained. When you were lost in the woods, you were misunderstood by everyone, everyone. You were searching for words, but they came out absurd. And no one heard you, no one heard you speak your mind. They lost the This show is brought to you by The Belonging Blueprint. A strong sense of belonging is imperative to cultivating a life of joy, fulfillment, and purpose. With a strong sense of belonging, you will have the confidence it takes to do and create your life on your terms. It's time for you to break free from your self-limiting thoughts, your insecure thought patterns, and the social conditioning that keeps you from living your most authentic life. The Belonging Blueprint is a self-development course that has been designed to help you create the deepest sense of belonging within yourself. Guided along the way by myself, Ross Lepola, you will grow to a place that leaves you empowered to experience life on your terms. You can join me and others in a private community that will support you on your journey of personal growth and development. To get more information and to enroll, you can click the link in the show notes. You belong here. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Project Unchained podcast. You know, I hope y'all are doing really well navigating this amazing journey of life. I know I, I'm doing super fantastic. I couldn't be couldn't be happier. In all honesty, um, this podcast uh, has been really, really special to me. I'm really enjoying doing it. Really enjoying engaging with those of you who are reaching out to me. I, I'm super pumped to hear that this is. Uh, helped you create some positivity in your life. And I, I want to keep bringing more of that to you. Today, I'm really excited to share some conversation with my friend, Matt Vincent. He's a very successful business owner, uh, runs a successful podcast, UMSO podcast, uh, former world level Highland competitor, and a friend I'm really enjoying connecting with. Matt brings a, a different perspective to the journey. And I truly believe that perspective you know, especially the ability to see and understand multiple perspectives is something that will enhance your life experience. So I wanted to bring that to the table today. I wanted to bring somebody that holds some different perspectives to to the conversation. And, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting Matt not too long ago when we were both on a mental health roundtable discussion for a fundraiser event in Colorado. That was a super rad event to be a part of. Uh, a, a lot of really awesome people got together and we collectively raised uh, uh, quite a bit of money for the National Suicide Foundation Prevention. And I, I really admire the way Matt lives his life. He brings his authentic self to the table. He doesn't have any time for the bullshit. 
And there was a few things that he said on that trip that had me thinking that I want to have him on the podcast as a guest. And we'll get into that in the episode. So enough of me rambling now. Let's uh, let's get on with the show, shall we? Matt, how's it going today? What are you up to? Dude, things are good. Uh, things are good. Things are busy. I am uh, recorded a podcast this morning. I had to film a quick uh, bit of content and then I uh, went up to the gym, got a quick workout in, helped Bond with some spots on a bench as she's getting ready for showdown meet in Miami. Uh, in Oh, shit. Would we leave next week? I think we leave next week. Um, uh, so we go to Miami next week and then back to trying to finish up this new, uh, the new, uh, new facility, finish up dope. Right. Right. Which I mean, that ties into like one of the biggest reasons why I really wanted to have you on this podcast. One of the things that you said in Colorado when we met is that, you know, one of the, one of the primary driving factors to your life is that you want to do epic shit with epic, epic people. That's it, and man. I really love that. And I think anybody that kind of follows you sees that, you know, that's not just smoke and mirrors. You really, really live that and embody that. I, I try. I try. I think, you know, for me, whatever, you know, big changes happen in life. One of the ones for me was, was this kind of, uh, the ticking clock noise about how much time I have left to live has just gotten louder and louder. And so if that is the case and I do have a finite amount of time, which it is that I get to do cool shit, there's a lot of really cool shit I want to do. So I better get to getting right. Cause I'll never finish the list. So I may as well get started. Right. So did, was it just that idea of the, the, the ticking time that like pushed you into that? Or was that kind of, is that somewhat been natural or has there been some limiting thoughts and belief that have kind of stifled that, that you had to work on? You know, I don't think there was a limiting thought or belief prior to that. So everything switched and kind of really catapulted a weird direction for me due to a couple things. Uh, in 2014, my father uh, passed away from pancreatic cancer. And that was something that was a really eye-opening thing for me. Uh, my, me and my dad's relationship's great. It wasn't like one of those type mm-hmm. of strange things. But um, yeah, I mean, he went from dad and normal person to, you know, the guy that I'd grown up with essentially to <clears throat> got diagnosed and then was dead in 11 months. And I just remember talking to my mom about it and her just feeling like, you know, this wasn't, this wasn't the plan. This wasn't, this wasn't what we had planned. Like we got the, we got you guys out of school and on your own. And so now we had started to travel and we'd started to do stuff. And at this point, like, um, just hearing her say that this wasn't the plan. Meanwhile, like at that point, I'm, so my, my father passed away on April 5th uh, 2014 and my birthday is April 6th. So easy to remember. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I I turned, I turned 31 the, the next day and, uh, my father had passed away at 62. And I just remember thinking, fuck, I'm halfway. Like, that's it. Like that's, I'm halfway through not this journey, but the whole thing. Like I don't get a second run. Right. And half the rides over now. I mean, do I think I'll pass away at 62? 
chances are not. I think I've stacked the cards in my favor a little bit better than that health concerns wise. But I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know. Anything right. can fucking happen. And the same proof of that with my dad, like, man, you can get fucking sick and it can be it. And then to further hammer the point home for me was, um, yeah, I'd felt that impotence after, after he had passed away and I was still competing and doing the Scottish Highland games. I won a world championship later that year after he had passed, um, was the, the second one I'd won. And then 2015 competed, uh, had a good year, finished second in the world. And then 2016 finished second in the world again and, and uh, was planning to have knee surgery. And so I'd really turned everything to this focus on the games that like, yo, if you've got a limited amount of time, let's fucking go. Right. And so it's working, it's going well for me. And uh, like, I know I'm, I'm banged up. Um, so I'd competed the whole time in the Scottish Highland games without an ACL and uh, not a big deal. You can kind of get away with it. Right. I I do really well as far as making dynamic moves. As long as I know the direction I'm trying to go, I can't react. Right. Like I can't let the knee make the decision. Like if I'm trying to cover you playing basketball, I'm terrible. I'm just going to fall over. Right. Um, For sure. But since I know what I'm doing, like I'm braced and I'm prepared and nothing, nothing exciting is going to happen. Um, and so at the end of the 2016 season, I decided I was going to do uh, ACL reconstruction and take a year off and then focus and get back to it and really rebuild foundation and, and, and try to do this the best way I can. Um, you know, maybe do a few less games, things like that, really focus on how, how good can I fucking do it? Um, and that, that never came. Um, that ACL surgery turned into eight more surgeries. Um, so the ACL didn't take, I did another, it it didn't take. So we were trying to use cadaver tissue. I had an ACL done in college. And so I'd already burned through my uh, patella tendon and my hamstring tendon, uh, during the very first surgery, uh, they were going to use hamstring and then pulled it and couldn't. So they used patella tendon. I wasn't interested in going into my good knee to fix the bad one. Right. That seemed really stupid to me. Um, (laughs) If I got a working vehicle, that's my daily driver. Right. I don't need to start pulling parts off of it to fix my fucking project. For sure. <laughs> it's a bad plan. And so trying to do cadaver tissue and my body just kept rejecting it. And so uh, the more we went in there and tried to fix, the the more worn out the joint got and just chipping away at it. Right. And so uh then we tried some other things and that, I guess after surgery three or four, we tried an oats procedure and an oats procedure is where they go into the bottom of the femur and they implant cartilage where I didn't have any anymore. So okay. they, they drill these like 30 mil holes into the bottom of the femur and then plug it with cadaver cartilage. Um, two of those three healed really well. And the third one on the inside of my knee uh, did not. And it healed about 80% of the way through. And so there was still kind of a void. And so essentially anytime I stepped, the the bone flexes and moves and, and is refractured. Oof. And so there, that and, and awful. we're at a point that like even getting off of it for six weeks, wasn't going to fix it. Like the bone was dead where, where that plug went in, it just never got blood flow back. It just never healed. And yeah, so, wow. 
it got it got bad enough where like I couldn't I couldn't step with my right foot up to go up a curb. Um, I couldn't I couldn't walk more than about two hundred yards at a time. And uh, here I was, right? Like here here's that thing of like, oh, it's gone, right? Like that that window to be on the gas pedal for throwing, like it's fucking gone. And so more surgeries, and then finally what ended up in twenty nineteen. Um, April of 2019 was a total knee replacement. And so since then, now that I'm out of pain, uh, it, it's led to more of that impetus of now, now that we're out of pain, like, like, I don't know how long I get to live out of pain because it can come back. Like I can fucking flip a vehicle over. I can, something can happen. I could slip for Christ's sakes. Right. And, and like, but while, while the machine's running, you know, I'm going to be nice to it and try to keep it moving and healthy and doing everything I can to stack the cards in my favor to, to feel good and be healthy and be strong. Um, but I'm done, I'm done inflicting damage right. on the machine. Uh, you know, real damage, uh, right. Training too hard. It, and... Right. And, and, and you know, this, and I know this of like, Look, I think anything physically, whether it's powerlifting, CrossFit, Highland Games, what bodybuilding, all can be really healthy. But if you have decided as an athlete that you want to know how good you can be at it, health is no longer the concern. That's not what we're pursuing. And being honest about that with yourself is pretty important. For sure. That if, if you're trying to find out how good you can be or be best in the world at a thing, we're, we're no longer pursuing health. This is not a healthy pursuit. There is damage <laughs> being done. Right. Um, and I'm aware of that, but you know, so from now on, I'm not going that route. Right. Try a bunch of things and stay on it. Uh, but yeah, those, those two things, man, the chronic pain and then that of my dad passing away were two really big factors of a light bulb going off. Essentially that, you know, that ticking clock sound is very, very loud to me. And I, I don't need to do it all now. Don't get me wrong. Like I don't have this anxiety about death. Like I'm not concerned about dying. Um, I don't have to figure that out. That that right. part's going to take care of itself. Whenever, whenever my time comes to be punched out of this reality, I don't, I don't get to say so anyway. So I'm not interested in worrying about it. Um, but till then, yo, I want to go and do and experience it and feel it and benefit the people around me and, and grow the things that I'm passionate about. I want to see what I can do with this business. I want to see what I can do with the horsepower that gets added from the team that I'm building around it and all those things. So for sure, for sure. That's like, that's a big shift and change on two different occasions in your life. You know, like when your dad dies, like that's a big sudden shift and change. And I mean, for it to go from having a healthy relationship with your dad, healthy being like both people physically well, and also the relationship being good sure. to all of a sudden diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and 11 months later, they're gone. Like, you know, some people 11 months is a long time, but in that situation, in that context, 11 months is like the blink of an eye. And not only that, man, the 11 months was fucking awful. And I say that, right? It didn't really get bad 
so he, he'd passed away in April. Um, it didn't get bad until January. Right. And then you just watched the fucking light fade out of him. That's like tough. he wasn't dead anymore. And he's just trapped. He's fucking, he's just like, he was an outdoors guy and hunted and fished and was a, you know, welder and boilermaker. So being in the yard and fucking around and piddling and doing stupid projects around the house and just killing time, doing bullshit. Right. Is, is what he liked to do. And then that's gone. So like that ties really well into something here because in a sense you, you can see like your dad's identity almost like in the things that he likes to do almost be taken from him by something. Else. Absolutely were. And yourself as, as an athlete pursuing something very high level, you go in for an elective procedure and it goes wrong. And now that is almost taken from you. So like, you know, you saw it in your dad and then you almost experienced it yourself in terms of like that forced shift and almost, uh, uh, an identity taken from you in a lack of a manner, uh, lack for lack of a better word. Like how, how do you deal with that? So many you know, people struggle with that athletes like get injured and they're like, Oh my God, I'm, I'm not Matt anymore. I'm not Ross anymore. Like, who am I? I might as well just sit on the fucking couch. Like, what did you, you know, do to me, create that shift for yourself? Luck, luckily for me, like I, I, I've had my head on pretty straight as far as no one gives a shit about the Highland games. So that's, that's always been a benefit <laughs> that, you know, it's not going to be a thing like, right. You know, like if, if I'm playing in the NFL, it's a lot easier to make that my identity than the being the Highland games guy. Right. Um, but you know, I identity wise, like I never ever had planned on the Highland games being my thing, my Matt Vincent, the Highland games guy. I never wanted to be introduced as that. It's a thing I did, not who I am. However, the part that I really didn't bargain for with that, because like, yo, I knew there'd be a time that I'm not going to throw. Right. And, and I've said it all along. It's like, yo, I don't have any plans on any of my PRs making it on my tombstone. I hope I have a bunch cooler shit to go down than that. than how far <laughs> I threw these rocks in a field that some people agreed to measure. Right. Uh, they probably measured it wrong anyway. It's probably true. It's a bit arbitrary. I threw further um, than that. Damn it. <laughs> that's true. But, it, but dude, where it really fucked me up was I never planned on not being an athlete. Right. That's, that's where it got me. And, you know, and that reflection and empathy that came back to thinking about my father with his thing is, you know, the brain and mind don't ever get sick. They're not injured. They just don't understand how to operate the machine anymore. You know, this thing that I had used and developed over the last 33 years of my life doesn't play by the same rules it did beforehand. I mean, man, prior to that, like, I'm an athletic son of a bitch. Like, I, I know that I'm gifted in a lot of realms. Like, you know, I've, you know, two world championships in the Highland Games. I competed 20 plus times a year for almost a decade and never finished off the podium. I, I've done weightlifting and I've snatched 352 and I've clean and jerked over 400. I've done powerlifting and raw. I've done uh, a 675 raw squat with knee sleeves. I've pulled 700 and I've benched 440. Uh, and in gear, I've done a 700 bench, pulled over seven and then squatted a grand. I've, I've, I've done some big stuff. And as an athlete, like 
that's that's where my skill set is. I can make this machine perform. Right. Now the machine doesn't work. And I I was now trapped in this thing. Like I I want those things. I love training the way that I trained, heavy and explosive and violent. And so now you've taken away not only my ability to move in space the way that I'm used to my body doing, but now I'm scared. I'm scared of getting hurt. You know, I'm scared to fall because anything's going to be too much. Like I, it got so bad and like so adverse to the pain of it that like, it's not a thing of like, yo, it kind of hurts. It would shut me down. Like I would get an eight or nine out of 10 pain in the medial part of my knee where that procedure was done um, after walking long enough. Like I remember one year at the Arnold, I got dropped off by my Uber and man, they just let me off like at the far end of the building and realize that I've got to walk all the way to where our booth is. It's a long walk too. It's, it's a long, long walk period. <laughs> and uh, like, we're, like we're down at the hotel end you know, where the hotel's right across the street. And so like yep. walking all the way down there, I mean, shit's probably a quarter mile. Yeah. Realistically, it's 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, yo, I got out of the Uber and just started tearing up. I, I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to be able to do. And reality is I just have to grind it out. And like, I'm in a straight leg brace and like, I just got to the booth and then ate a bunch of edibles and Percocet and fucking tried to deal with it the best I could, which, you know, that's not a long-term solution. Right. You know, I can't, I can't do that for daily maintenance. I can't, I can't need that to get to normal. And so being trapped in that machine caused a lot of fucking turmoil. Um, It made me really unhappy. It made me really depressed. Um, you know, luckily I, I found some, some coping mechanisms and was able to, to work through a lot of stuff, uh, and, and get to where I am now, but it, it took getting out of pain was the first one. Um, I was just really unhappy, man. And it, and it, and it brought a bunch of change. It fucked up the end of my marriage. It, it brought about the divorce and luckily because of the other tools I've been able to use to get my shit together, like my relationship with my ex is great. My relationship with my current partner is great. Um, I'm, I'm out of pain and have much more of an idea now of what I want to do. Um, but yeah, man, that, that identity of not being an athlete, I wasn't prepared to give that up. Right. That one, that one's one that I built way too much stock in and not only just stock, right. But like, my self-confidence, my, my ability to perform the lessons I'd learned from training, like all those rules about how to do something successfully over time and chip away at it. How do I apply those to the rest of my life? And now I don't have any of these skills that I had spent 20 fucking years building. I can't even show you how to do it. Right. Um, it was tough. Yeah. I, I can, I can only imagine I've been pretty fortunate. I haven't had any major injuries in my career. Um, but I can, I can kind of try and imagine just on a, on a few of the injuries that I've had and I've had to take a step back and it's not like, 
I haven't been like sad about not powerlifting or not getting ready for a powerlifting meet or missing a competition. Like I handled that way better than I ever thought I would have now not having not been able to compete now for two years. Um, I'm, I'm definitely itching to get back to it. But at the same time, when I had to drop out, I was, I was less giving a shit about the powerlifting meet and more giving a shit about that. I just want to like lift weights the way I want to lift weights. Yeah. And yeah, that that's where I end up with it too. Because man, I love Olympic lifting. I'm not great at it, but I like fucking around. Right. So you what know, for me as an athlete, I loved it because I have to move in order. I have to fire explosively. Like it is such a submaximal movement that it doesn't beat me up as bad. Right. Yeah. Oh well. For sure. So what kinds of coping mechanisms did you use to help get you through some of those struggles? Man, luckily for me, I, I, I've got an incredible group of friends. Um, I, I've been lucky enough through my my time in this space to build a really rad community of people that I was interested in the things that they do. And um, a lot of the shift in mindset and coping tools I got from being around um, Kyle Kingsbury, uh, Aubrey Marcus, some of the guys that I know uh, around on it, as they had been talking and pretty openly about psychedelics and things like that. Um, I was interested in that prior to ever getting hurt. I never really expected that that was going to be my solution or part of that process as much as I was just curious as a human. And what turned me on to it was these people that I was getting to spend more time with, like these guys and realizing that, you know, they're happy for each other. They're not bitter. No one's, no one's operating out of scarcity or fear. Like, and you know, there's, there's, there's a bit too much woo woo to it for me in some aspects, but that's okay. Like that, that that's fine. I don't have to have all of it, but where the big picture stuff was of how they treat each other, how they talk, how they're supportive and how they love each other. You know, something's right. Right. And I want to know. And instead of me having a feeling about it or forming anything just based on information I've read or any of this, like, I got to know, I got to know firsthand in the same way that like, you know, I want to know what the Husafel stone feels like. I don't want to carry a, a plate loaded thing around the gym and pretend I've done it. Right. I'm going to go to fucking Iceland and get on a plane and then I'm going to drive out an hour and a half to that place and go to the field by myself and wrap my hands around that fucker and go. I need to know firsthand. Um, and so for me, that started, that started kind of the, uh, the path into dabbling or uh, not dabbling, but using psychedelics as a tool. Yeah. And it, it's been, it's been great for me. What would you say that the, the response has been in that use of the psychedelics? In which way in regards to what I've gotten from it? Yeah. I mean, I guess trying to reframe it, I think maybe the way that I, the, what I'm hearing or what the conclusion I'm drawing in my mind right now is it sounds like it's created a big shift of perspective for you. Everything. Yeah. Nothing's the same. Um, including like what my value is on a lot of, you know, where, where I want to spend energy, you right. know, the conservation of energy and putting that to only toward the things that I find really valuable that are going to give back to me. Um, and that way, that energy cycle is sustainable, right? Because I'm putting energy to a thing that's giving me energy back. And I feel the same way about relationships with people. 
Mm-hmm. Is that I'm going to put energy into people that also provide energy back to me. That way, it's not this just open door. And if we do only have so much time, and that's the only scarce commodity I really believe in that I that I have to hold valuable, then me sharing time with you is a big choice. And I don't have a problem telling people no. And so making sure that that energy goes where I want it, that's been big. Um, and that perspective, that perspective shift happens, happens pretty quick, uh, with, with psychedelics, at least it did for me. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, there's work to do. Uh, they are, they are not a, uh, always friendly medicine, right? but they're always impactful. It, It seems that as long as you're willing to kind of fully submit and be part of that process and let go of the wheel a little bit, it gets better. Letting go of the wheel, that can be a hard thing. You know, and I say let go of the wheel. The way that I kind of describe this is if if you know that, say, because I'm bad at geography, Louisiana, where I was living in Baton Rouge, Los Angeles, is directly west on Interstate 10. It is due west. Right. Right. But if I get in my car and I point my car west and then I grab a hold of that wheel and white knuckle it and don't let it move, I'll never make it. But I've got to be able to flow with traffic, with stoplights, with what's going on, if there's a detour. But if I just lock in like this and say, this is how we have to go to get there, it's an exercise in futility. Whereas if I can be more open in the in the journey, as long as I'm getting to where I want to go, perfect. That allows a lot more room for wiggle. Um, so that perspective shift has been good. It's like I'm more interested in having an intention than an expectation. An expectation is me dictating that I know how the road's going to go. My intention is I'd like to get to California. Yeah. It makes, it makes, it makes the intention a much easier success than being like, well, shit, we didn't stop in Arizona, you know, or we didn't see the sunset or we'll, we'll pass through this city at this time. Like, yo, let some of those details be a bit more fluid as long as the overall path is right. And that, that ability to, you know, stay at the wheel, but let it, let it have some freedom. So would you characterize one of the one of the big perspective shifts that have been that has benefited you has been sounds like uh, the removal of some expectations in how things yes. are to go. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not sure that expectations are really helpful. No, they fuck people up all the time. <laughs> and that's why I'm really yeah. pumped to hear like you talking about intentions and expectations, because I mean, that messes us up so bad having expectations and holding expectations going into a space rather than setting intentions and being more intentional. You know, and even, even look at it in regards to training. I mean, if my expectations are going into the gym or, you know, something, something I said to Bonnie prior to this meet, I was like, what are, what are the plans for this? Also, what equals a good meet? 
Is it only if you PR in fucking all three events? Because if so, what's the reality of that? You know, let, let's at least know. Let's not try to force the universe into a thing. Right. Let's know that we've got the cards stacked in our favor a little bit. But if your intention is to go down there and perform the best you can, given the circumstances on that day. And dude, the better you get at a sport, not every day is a PR day. For I mean, sure. And even if your training cycle's good, you get to a meet and you can, I mean, many times with the Highland Games, right? Like there's so many different variables. It's easier to explain that sport because, you know, I could get somewhere and it'd be really good and I'm prepared to throw PRs, but, you know, it's raining. I'm not throwing PRs in the rain. Right. Or it rained yesterday and the ground's soft. I'm not throwing PRs on soft ground. I can't move fast enough. Right. And so instead having the intention of performing the best I can, given those circumstances, instead of if I don't throw 58 feet, this doesn't make a shit. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's definitely huge. And if we look at, look at it from that sport perspective, like that can be one of the things that trip up powerlifters so many times they go into meets expecting to PR all the time. Well, it's PRs or nothing, right? Exactly. And, and they fail to set the intentions of performing well. And it's like, it's hard because of the way powerlifting is measured compared to some other sports and, the, and so yep. many people lose track of other variables and how those impact your ability to perform in a powerlifting meet. And I always bring up the like analogy of comparing to football, just cause that's one of my other favorite sports and bring up, you know, a, a high level quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. you know, just won the MVP. Like, if his intention or he had an expectation that every single game he goes out, he's got a PR his per game touchdown performance. He's going to have a very short lived, horrible career and nobody's ever going to know who the fuck he was. Right. You got to play the long game too. Yeah. You know that like, here, here's a realistic goal for you. Powerlifting. Let's add five pounds to our total. Every meet forever. But that's not what people want. They people want. want to make a 75 pound jump every time they get on the fucking platform. And because you do it as a newbie, it sets an expectation. But that's, that ain't the way it goes. Right. For sure. For you sure. know, by the, by the time that you've started hitting whatever max potential is for you, <clears throat> you know, things are tricky. You need you need more than just a good training day. You need more than just a good training cycle. You need you need the universe to cooperate a little bit, right? Like you need that day to be good. You know, the warm up room vibe to be good. The there to be enough equipment. You know, things that you don't have your hands on. I mean, hell, I've been in warm up rooms where it just feels a bit crowded mm-hmm. and like the vibes a little off, and so you're kind of dick measuring to get under the bar or any of this with other people in the room. And like, I just fucking don't have any energy for that. <laughs> so, um, you know, there, there's just a lot of variables. And, and, and so sure. being able to perform, I mean, I think a lot of people miss in powerlifting with the intention of like, you know, the, the thing that comes from having the intention of I'm going to perform at my best on whatever that means today and be able to listen to it instead of ego check and say, we're swinging for the fences. Meanwhile, I've just bombed out and now I'm, now I'm in a shit mood. I'm I've lost confidence. I'm going to have anxiety instead of doing the best you can do that day based on how you feel. Cause man, the confidence that comes from knowing that you perform when it fucking counts 
is big. Yeah. And a lot of times, people will bomb out all the time. All you got to do is finish the meat strong. Like it, it and, and then you stand out. And again, that's that's expectations versus intention. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and for me as a human dude, it's about I want to know that I can perform at the highest level I want to when I tell the machine to. I don't need magic. Right. And you can perform without holding expectations for what performance equals X number. Yes. Right. I mean, there's a feeling, right? There's a reason we use the RPE scale. For sure. Agreed. 100%. And there can be a wild difference on most days for what RPE 10 looks like. (laughs) (laughs) And, And that feeling of just like really executing and stroking a good lift, stroking a good throw, whatever, like that's, uh, I think undervalued a lot in a lot of different sports. Well, um, because it builds confidence. And that's the one that I see people miss is they don't have any of that self-worth or self-confidence in their ability to lift, which because you can build up the ability to perform instead of the expectations that come from it, it, it carries over more to the rest of your life and work and these type of things. For sure. It, it almost goes, it goes both ways a little bit too. And, you know, that's kind of been one of my intentions of like self-care in general and the podcast and a lot of the mental training stuff that I do. I, I, I have this thing that I talk about, like we're people first and athletes second, you know, and For sure. when we take care of the person, the person will take care of the athlete. And vice versa, because the athlete's going to go learn some lessons that are going to serve purpose for the for the person. You know, I, I think about lifting in general and like this grind that lifting has taught me. I had the realization that I was like, man, that's the same grind that it's taught me for like this self-care to keep myself centered and keep myself right. And knowing where I'm putting my energy so that I am focused and intentional in what I'm doing. All those things, whether it's mental health, self-care, or it's taking care of your body, or it's nutrition, or any of these things, um, even even training or weight loss or whatever it is, John Wellborn and them with Power Athlete have a great line that they use, and it's called, you know, they talk about moving dirt. And it's like, your life is just this endless pile of dirt, and your goal is to move it. And some days... Some days the universe gives you keys to a bulldozer and other days you got a spoon. It doesn't make any difference. Just move dirt. Right. And so moving dirt, even with the spoon is still progress. And so to me, a lot of that, that I've now started to really implement in my own life, like when I do have challenging days and I I really, really hate the terms now, uh, like good or bad but I like challenging because I can turn challenging into a good day. That means I rose to the occasion. That means the universe wasn't out to fucking get me. Didn't try to do all this. Yo, today is just more challenging than others. So let's move a couple spoonfuls of dirt instead of thinking we have a backhoe. And so even for me on a day like that, that like, I always describe these as like, I'm just a few minutes behind. 
like the whole universe. So it's like, um, I'm a few minutes behind. So I caught three red lights, which slowed everything down. And then when I got there, I'm in slightly of a rush. So I grabbed my coffee and then I fucking spilled it on my pants. You know, and there's all these little things that now add more time to how far I'm back. Yep. If instead I can stop and catch my breath and, and, and do a few things I can't fuck up. Right. Like, you know, I can't fuck up sweep in my house. I can just sweep and I'm going to get dirt. So there's a few tasks that you can do that, that are, that are wins. They go in the wind column. They need to get done. Fold some clothes, make your bed, brush your teeth, easy stuff that are victories and positive momentum to dig out of the other way. Right. And maybe after giving a couple of those, I try something else again. You know, even if for me now, like, oh, man, I just don't have training in me today. I know that it's going to be a grind. Maybe that's a day I just need to go sit on the bike and listen to a podcast. Because I can pedal the bike and not fuck that up. Right. And so, you know, having having that intention that today I got better, but allowing the bar that equals better to be pretty fluid. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. I really like how that ties into a lot of the ways that I look at like gratitude and using the tool of gratitude as a way to kind of get your, get yourself unstuck from the negative and, and try and shift into the positive and see the good. And like, there is always something to be grateful for. Like, of course, right. You take Yo, a breath. I have a be, house to sweep. Right. Right. I'm, I'm grateful for the sun because without it, there is no life on earth. Right. There, there's always something to be grateful for. And when you can look at that and allow yourself to just have a moment and really feel that gratitude and really believe and be grateful for whatever that is, whether it be the sun, the roof over your head, a Florida sweep, whatever the fuck it is, it can shift that and get you going in a better direction, change the direction. Right. right. So and I, I mean, like how you have an intentional win, just a small, easy, simple task when everything's going, wins. not going, it's challenging. It's not going quite the way you want it to pick something that's a simple win, generate some momentum and go and build from there. Yeah. You know, because at some point, if I go the other way, what I'll do is get this big case of fuck it and I'll burn it down. I'll, I'll realize that my way of taking back control is just saying, fuck all this. And look, I, li- I like knowing that I have a detonate button <laughs> on, on shit going on. I don't need to push it, but I like knowing that it's my choice not to. Right. Right. And so that, that helps. I like knowing that it's that. And because of that, and because the shift that's happened in my life, um, because I value time as much as I do, that being the biggest thing, what's come along with that is, you know, I don't operate out of obligation anymore. Nice. I don't have to do shit. Yeah. I don't have to be on this podcast. I don't, have to go to the gym today. I don't have to spot Bonnie. Yeah, I can sit my ass happily on the couch. Yep. But if I'm gonna go, yo, know, I chose to be there. So be invested. Don't halfway do it. Right. And that's and another perspective shift shift right there is the ability to big one. recognize that you are choosing to do things. You don't have to do them out of obligation. 
you know, I choose to be challenged. Yeah. And at the and end of you, the day, like I'm fully accountable to all those things. The good and the bad are both my choice. Which is very empowering. It's empowering yeah. to, to know that you have that choice and you have that say, and that enhances your life experience. And the thing I would think about too, like if you're doing it out of obligation and not because you choose to, well, note that to yourself that you are not being authentic. And when you are not being authentic, you are diminishing the quality of your life experience. Or, I mean, look at it because look, people operate differently, right? And some people have obligations they've got to fulfill, fulfill, even though they don't want to. But nonetheless, at some point, there was a decision that you made that got you down this path. So either start figuring out how to get back the fuck out of it so that you can go forward again. Or say this is where you want to be. But you don't get both. You don't get to just fucking dwell and waller in it and complain about your obligations and not do anything about it. Right. Yep. And like I feel that way about weight loss or, or any of those things with people. And like I had that discussion with my mom over uh, over Christmas. We had talked about some different dietary changes and things like that for her. And I was like, look, here's here's what I think will work. Here's all the information I know and I will continue to share with you. But if in a month you haven't made any changes and you're still having the same problems that you were having, then I'm not interested in hearing about it anymore because clearly this is what you want. So stop telling me you don't. Because <laughs> actions are tough. Yeah. And I don't yeah. give a shit about the words that come out of your mouth, man. I'm just going to listen to the data that you tell me because the data doesn't lie doesn't have an opinion. Right. You know, if, if you're serious about your diet, you don't also eat like shit. <laughs> you can't continually tell me you care and then not do the minimal work. What, what is, what was that like to, to deal with your mom being an asshole? Um, you know, I realized how perspective shift again. Right. And I think back to my mom or my dad, my, you know, mom and dad both grew up in sulfur, Louisiana, uh, have lived there their entire lives, you know, friends are from there, et cetera. And, you know, if at any point during their, their life that they had an existential crisis, who do they call? Like the other five people that they know that have lived in the same town that have relatively the same life experience background you know, and work together. Right. Whereas, man, my resources that I can call upon for various things are incredible. And I'm also aware of the difference of that. So I have empathy for those who don't have those resources. With that said, we all have those resources, whether it's <laughs> audiobooks or anything else, right? And so pretending you don't isn't honest. You may not get firsthand conversations with these people the way that I have or, or something else, but there's a reason all of these people that I've spoken to that I'm fringed with or have relationships with, you know, they've put out tons of content. If you want it, it's there. There's books to read. And like, why are you putting a roadblock in the way of you can't even do that? You can't download the free information that these people have shared. Then you don't want to help yourself. And that's okay but just stop telling me you do. Right. Yeah. That can definitely be, be tough. I, I recall back at a point in my life when I realized that 
I was just perpetuating my own shit and not, not doing that. And, you know, that reminds me of a conversation you and I had briefly a, a few weeks back of calling yourself out on your own shit. And like, what does that look like for you? How do you do that? How do you call yourself on your own shit when you're tripping for a moment and you're like, Hey, come on, Matt, get, get it together. This isn't how we operate. This isn't what we're trying to do. This is not in alignment with my intentions or purpose. Um, so as that, as that kind of kicks in now, um, for me is, is more like, ah, fuck, I did it again. Right. Like I had that overly frustrating moment. And then for me, it's when I get frustrated about a few things and then the cycle builds of I'm frustrated because I'm frustrated because I don't think I should be. Because I should be grateful. I should have this gratitude. But, yo, I'm mad. And I can't get it to turn off. And now I'm mad that I'm mad. And then I'm <laughs> mad that I don't have the skill set or tools to punch out of it. Right? And so those things where I'm trying to – I'm better at now being able to back out, like I said, and start creating some small wins mm-hmm. to get out of my own fucking way. But also – I want to be able to start recognizing the failure sooner when it starts making that shift of frustration. I want to catch it early because it's easy to pull the roots up then instead of letting it play itself out and getting pissy. Yeah. You know, know yourself well enough that you're not going to lie to yourself anymore and be like, yo, this is going really bad. I should stop. Like, and that to me is that listening to the, the to that vibe or universe of, you know, it's a fuck yes or no. And so if it's a fuck yes, it typically works out. If it's a fuck yes, I'm invested. If it's a fuck yes, I'm going to care because I'm obsessed. It's when I halfway a thing. Because then it also becomes some weird obligation that I don't give a shit about. And so for me, stop putting those on my plate and, and stop lying to myself saying I'll care. When I know damn well I won't. So just say no. Um, you know, I look at it as like these little micro, micro, uh, corrections that can kind of happen. And so, you know, if you look at professional BMX riders or skateboarders or any, anything like that, what they're really good at is falling. Yeah. They're not good at the trick stuff. What they're good at is falling because you can't get good at any of the tricks without falling a lot. You have to take damage. Truth. And what they get good at is falling and not getting hurt so they can try again. And then they get so good at falling that you recognize falling on the run up. You're like, yo, I'm not in position. And, and so they, you see them try again, pull out and try again and bail on the trick, bail on the trick and, before and they get to that point of no return. Bail on the trick before you even start the trick. Yeah. You know, it's getting the run up right because you have enough repetition to recognize a bad run up. And so instead of you writing something out because you somewhere and said, I committed to this and I'm going to do it and riding the handlebars into the ground and now losing three weeks of your life because you're injured, you know, maybe take a, take a side step. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, maybe today's not the day. I mean, and that becomes a balancing point for, I think most people is, 
learning to recognize when when your ego is going to fuck you up and learning to recognize when your ego is going to serve you. Well, I think people are so afraid of what someone else is going to think of it or that they said they were going to do this thing. Or, you know, until you don't do it, you can still do it. Just it didn't have to happen today. Um, right. That or you can be intentional enough to be like, hey, I had a really bad feeling going into that. I had to, I had to bail. Like it just yep, wasn't, today it, wasn't the, the day, timing man. wasn't right. The wind, the wind was five degrees to the left. That was too much today. Like or, I, I or, need or I'm going to ride a sketchy decision because of someone who's not on the bike, who isn't going to take the damage right. because of their opinion of it. They don't have any fucking skin in the game, man. Right. Trust you. You know, and then, and then for me going forward with a bunch of stuff is like, you know, I trust me to perform at this point in my life. I, I will get it done. I can figure it out. Uh, so I'll invest back in me because I'll do the work. I trust me. And I trust me enough to know that like, you know, if it's something I'm fully invested in, that it's a full fuck. Yes. It's worth it. Right. But if it's not, quit pretending to yourself. You know, like no different than, you know, for me trying to lose weight. You know, stop pretending that, oh, man, I don't know. Calorie, this whole macros thing doesn't work for me. Of course it does. I'm not a magical snowflake that calories in versus calories out don't (laughs) don't work for. Right. I just need to figure out my calories. And... Yeah, there, there's not a ton of magic out there, man. I think a lot of people want to explain magic because it makes it easier. For sure. Um, one of the other things I wanted to circle back on real quick was your coping mm-hmm. that that led to a lot of transformational changes and influential things was you talking about your friends and community. Like, what can, what do you think people can do better in their lives to cultivate that community that can support them? Be valuable. Yo, it's about giving. It's not about finding a community that supports you. Excellent. It's about finding a community that you love, that you give support to. And it's weird. The more that you switch to that, the more that it wants to bleed back towards you. Stay, stay 51% on the side of give. Right. Yeah. No, I love that answer. I I really do. I I agree with it. And I, that's how you build a community. You don't fucking walk up with your hand out. You ask, you walk up and you ask, how can I help? Yeah. Those are the probably four most important words that anyone can add to their vernacular. How can I help? Huge. For anyone you talk to. You know, no different than I feel about you starting a podcast, man. How can I help? Yeah. Which can I be I've... a guest? Awesome. Can I give you information on equipment I've learned over the last couple of years? Because I don't operate out of scarcity anymore. Your success has zero to do with mine. There's plenty of room for both of us. Right. Like until I get an, an email from Rogan's 
you know, company saying that I have too many people listening to my podcast <laughs> and they'd like me to stop, you know, I'll deal with the good problem then. Right. But, right. you know, we're not sharing success. We're not sharing happiness and we're not sharing love. There's plenty of it. Um, right. As so, you talk yeah. about the ticking, the ticking clock that is finite, that's those it. other that's things are infinite. But we've convinced ourselves that the others aren't. You know, that True. somehow you, I mean, how many people believe seeing someone else doing well, that they're walking around with their success? Like, fuck, that was supposed to be mine. That was my thing. And it doesn't do anything but hurt you. For sure. Uh, that, that's that's drinking poison and hoping it kills the other person. Like, it's a fucking terrible plan. Yeah, I agree 100% with that. I definitely, uh, at, at one point in my life, I definitely held that perspective for, for far too long. And it definitely diminish the quality of my life experience. And yeah, it's definitely same. been huge to get out of that perspective and understand that, you know, it's abundant. <laughs> it's abundant, man. The, the other one, the other stuff for me coping is if I can't find a rule within physics or something like that, that makes a thing impossible. It means it is it means it can be done. Um, now, there's improbable and improbable helps me decide how much of my attention should be invested in a thing. Like, is it impossible during my lifetime to get a chance to go to space? Maybe, but we're getting better at it. It may be very, very expensive in an amount of money I may never be able to afford, but that doesn't make it impossible. It makes it improbable. Right. Yep. I hear that. There are, if getting to space is my biggest focus in life, then step one of that is I need to make a shitload of money. <laughs> you know, there's steps, there's steps to accomplishing whatever goal it is and always figure it, just, just figure out the next step, just break it down and do the next one. Like, yo, you want to change your life and, and lose a hundred pounds? Let's lose three pounds. Let's, let's eat correctly today. Let's eat lunch correctly. It's a step and just do the next step. I understand that it's overwhelming to be like, yo, I don't get cheeseburgers anymore. Well, you don't get one today. Let's just, let's just not have one today. Yeah. And then we'll not have one tomorrow. And we handle each meal. Like I never went through AA or anything like that, but there's some lessons from that, that I think that are really valuable philosophy of that. Like handle not having that drink today just just get through the hour get through the 10 minutes like be able to to dwindle it in and i look at my focus and intentions the same way like let's just do it do it correctly today i can do that that makes the task chewable right yeah yeah if something seems so big and overwhelming break it down into smaller tasks until it's no longer overwhelming right. and then get to work Yep. Cause look, there's no way for me to squat a thousand pounds until I've already squatted nine. So I might as well set the focus on trying to get to nine. Yeah. Nine pounds first. <laughs> Even then. <laughs> right. Right. So Matt, I want to be mindful of your time here today too, and, and wrap this up a little bit and in doing that and closing, one of the things that I like to kind of end on is like the go-to tool to help like get through things, you know, keep your energy, keep your energy high, keep you focused. 
what's been like your go-to tool now that that helps you stay on task focused in in your in your like positive mindset where you're not getting buried down below any of the negativity and stories and self-limiting beliefs that can kind of hold us back from from our purpose and intention in life two of those tools would be weed and mushrooms uh, outside of that, <laughs> as if I'm going to give an honest answer, hey, are those two things. Anybody as, that listens to this podcast knows that I want nothing more than authenticity and the truth with myself. And, and, and those are, those guests. are two things. Yeah. Those are, those are two things that have been very, very valuable to me as supplements. Um, and now from there, uh, like traditional therapy, those type of things for me weren't ever quite there because my brain tends to work in a way that the people I was speaking to, we were never speaking the same vocabulary. Right. Right. It's not that their intentions were bad. They're not a great therapist. They're just not the one for me. Right. Whereas what I found with some of the plant medicine stuff is that it's so self-reflective that it gave me language to work on me. Um, and, and with that said, you know, the trauma in my life has been very, very limited. I really didn't have anything crazy to unpack. I didn't have a weird childhood. I didn't have any abuse. I didn't have any of these things that a lot of people, a lot of people got to unpack, man. A lot of people got to deal with a lot worse than I ever did. At the same time, I don't feel guilty for having a fucking good path to where I am. There's always challenges. Um, You know, there's, there's a couple tools. Those so those two medicines for me have really helped with as far as me having empathy and understanding and just letting go of the noise and bullshit that I was putting in my own way of reasons I can't or shouldn't or why. Um, now going forward and kind of being able to bring those tools, you know, mine, whatever I can from my time with psychedelics and be able to bring it into my day-to-day life and integrate has really been where it's key. And it's, it's the empathy for stuff. It's having more gratitude, you know, it's being able to say, you know, how many people do we know finish a a sport like powerlifting where, or or any of the strength sports for that matter, and feel like, yo, you know, that I, I left things on the table. I didn't get to do the things I wanted to accomplish. When at the end of the day, the reason you started that sport was to find out how much you could lift. Now, you can have a feeling that the number that you produce during your time of pursuing that sport isn't accurate, but that doesn't make that number not true. You found the number, and that's cool. But if someone ever asks how strong you are, you have metrics. It's not a guess. It's not an estimate. It's not, I could have done this. Dude, you found out. And like you found out of all the skill sets a human can do, like you found this one strength. I have numbers. Well, now what about running? What else, what else can I find out my capabilities of and what this machine is possibly able to do? Um, so, you know, having, having some more honest intention has been good with me, you right. know, that like, this is why I set out to do that. And instead of feeling bummed that I didn't win a third world title or, you know, some other factors like any PRs or anything like that. Like, I can't tell you a metric that if that happened during my career, things would be different. I mean, even if over the course of that 10 years, I won every world championship that I went to, 
I'm probably still holding this conversation with you right now. Right. Probably sitting at this desk, you know? And so instead of like, I can reframe and instead of being bummed, I didn't do enough. Dude, I got to pour everything into a sport for 10 years and it just gave back. It was never going to be permanent. I just don't know when the end date is. And so, you know, having a different mentality about things and also being willing to say like, that chapter's done. I don't want to sit and spend the next three chapters of my life. If every chapter is a decade, I don't want to spend the next couple of chapters chasing what I did in chapter two. Chapter two is over. That layer has been dissolved. Yeah. And cool. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. I appreciate that. I, I really appreciate you joining me today, Matt. I appreciate your, your honesty. I appreciate your authenticity. That's Thanks, definitely, man. uh, I, I just, I really appreciate it. I'm grateful for you to join us. And I dude, look thank you, Ross. To, uh, I appreciate it, dude. I appreciate the conversations you and I got to have in Colorado and all the above, man. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're doing your thing, dude. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'm glad to see you doing your thing too. Um, trying, man, trying to figure it out, which I mean, you're doing some awesome shit with your brand. Um, Let's uh, leave off on that real quick, like so people can uh, see you and connect with you and support your your brand and and what you're trying to do. Yeah, sure. So uh, Instagram, I am I hate Matt Vincent on. Uh, I think I hate brand goods is the Instagram for my brand and apparel. Uh, the name of it is uh, Hate Brand, and it is spelled H V I I I. So eight uh, H with a Roman numeral eight. Um, I am glad in hindsight that I spelled it that way because having it named hate traditionally right now would probably be better than I have to change it. And that whole thing's a disaster or I just wouldn't change it. And then I'd be mad that it was failing. Um, meanwhile, that would be my choice. Uh, but having it named a little odd spelling has overall been a, overall been a good, good route. Um, right. But the general message behind it was this, you know, hate that voice inside yourself that says, this was good enough or that voice that wants to lie to you or that, you know, that any of the bullshit that stands in your way of why you can't like hate yourself enough to do the work and hate yourself enough to just stay on the gas and, and keep trying to make progress because progress is really all there is. There's no real destination to any of this. Right. Yeah. Progress still death, man. Right. That's it. No, I like it. I like it. I appreciate it. And again, Matt, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ross. I appreciate you, man. Awesome. A quick note about the Project Unchained podcast. I'm not a doctor nor a therapist. I'm just a driven guy who has seen firsthand what this healing journey can do for the quality of a person's life experiences. The ideas and concepts I share with you are a result of my own ongoing journey and that of my guests. I truly want you to live a more free and empowered life. This is my gift to you. Thanks for joining Project Unchained today. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast. And if the tools you've learned have helped you, please consider leaving a review so that this show ends up higher in search results. By doing that, you can help me help others get unchained. If you know someone who specifically would benefit from today's episode, please share it with them directly. What I'm discussing on the show resonates with you and you'd like to chat, please do reach out. I respond to all messages. You can find me on Instagram at Ross.Lepola and I'm on Facebook, Ross Lepola. My email is in the show notes. Lastly, I want to give a special thank you to my very talented cousin, Caitlin Lee, for the intro and outro music for this podcast. 
The song is Lost in the Woods from her 2018 album, Learning How to Stay. You can find Galen's albums on Bandcamp, Spotify, and ViolinScratches.com. Until next time, I hope you live your life a little more unchained. Give yourself away.